0: Happy Friday, everyone on today's Locked On NHL. The Habs strike a deal for the Shea Weber contract. The Flyers hire John Tortorella. Game two of the Stanley Cup final is upon us. And Gary Bettman talked state of the NHL. All that and more on today's Locked On NHL.
1: Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to the Friday edition of Locked on NHL. I am Rachel Donner from Locked on Flyers. I'm on Twitter at @armiriam. I'm here with Gil Martin of Locked on Isles. You can find him on Twitter at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-B-S-N-Y-I. Gil, how are we doing this happy Friday?
1: We are doing well. It, it, it's Friday. How bad could it be? And we <laughs> have the Stanley Cup finals too. So uh, lots of good things happening right now and uh, looking forward to game two on Saturday.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for making Locked on NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Plus you can watch us over on YouTube. So head over there, drop us a like, subscribe. I promise you'll love it. All right. So you talked about game one on yesterday's show, Gil. Thanks for hopping in for us there. Of course, the Avalanche winning in overtime four to three. We've got game two on Saturday. Uh, Give us just a sense of how you're feeling at this point.
1: Uh, I'm still feeling this is going to be a seven game series. These two teams are fairly evenly matched. I was a little surprised at two things. Uh, number one, the the first two goals that were let in by Vasilevsky were not goals he would typically let in. They, were, they would look kind of soft at first viewing. And then the other aspect of it was the speed of the avalanche was very effective against Tampa Bay. And, You know, the Lightning usually do a very good job of shutting down the passing lanes and not letting you have time and space to gain the zone with momentum. But the the Avalanche are speedy and they're so good at moving the puck and it really did show in, in game one.
0: It really did. It was such a a fun game to watch. Both these teams are incredible and have such skilled players that honestly, like I'm just having the best time so far and we're only one game in and we've got an overtime already. Love to see that. Um, I'm sure if you're a fan of either one of these teams, it's a little nerve wracking, but as an outside observer, I, I love to see Stanley Cup final overtime action. But I, I do think that one of the things we have seen through this Tampa Bay lightning run of championships and this season in in these playoffs is the ability for the lightning to adjust. They have shown again and again that they could do it. They did it, especially against the Rangers uh, after going down two games to then come back and win four in a row. And so I have zero doubt that they will be studying and figuring out a way to adjust and match up a little better against what Colorado was able to put out there offensively. So I do expect game two to be a much tighter matchup.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I also don't expect Vasilevsky to struggle for too long. Uh, You know, the one big edge coming into this series, if you looked at it on paper, you had to say, goaltending, Tampa Bay. So uh not to say anything bad about Darcy Kemper and and he played well enough in in game one, got the win, but uh you know, letting in two soft goals and then losing in overtime, you can't count on that happening too often in this series with Vasilevsky.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think he'll have learned from those Questionable goals. I won't call them soft, but questionable goals in game one. And um, he'll be, you know, his positioning will be on it, I think, a little bit better in game two. Very excited for that. Again, coming up on Saturday night. Uh, One thing that also happened prior to game one was Gary Bettman's typical state of the NHL that they do right before the Stanley Cup series begins. And we got a little bit of news and what I thought was interesting information out of it Uh, He did say that the season next year is going to begin October 11th. We'll get the schedule in early July. Always looking forward to that where I get to like mark my calendar and see what (laughs) games I might want to travel for. Um, Always exciting when a fresh calendar comes out with all the hope and possibility in the world. Right.
1: Yeah, no, I always look forward to the schedule release and yeah, marking my calendar, figuring out what games I can go to, what, what, uh, games I have to cover, you know, all, all those little things, which games fall out on birthdays and anniversaries of people that I, you know, create conflicts, all that fun stuff. So, uh, yeah. but more, more realistically, just to know that the schedule is out there, that the new season isn't too far off. One great thing about hockey, the off season is probably the shortest of all the four major North American sports.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, He also announced that they have record revenues for this season. So while uh, the cap only is going up 1 million for next season to 82.5 million, they announced that Thursday that it's final. Uh, The floor is at 61 million, which I think is a little low, honestly. I think we have to make these teams work harder to get to the cap (laughs) floor. But after that, we should be seeing some more normal cap increases each year.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, COVID was still an issue this year, especially for the Canadian-based teams where they had games with few fans or no fans at at different points. They canceled a bunch of games. I I think that uh, if we can continue to have that effect, attendance less and less, the cap will go up significantly, uh, steadily at least, uh, as it has been up until now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I thought there were a couple other interesting points that Bill Daly made as well. Uh, he did say that they have basically decided they're not going to change anything about the LTIR system, which of course had come up in discussion because of how teams like the Vegas Golden Knights and the Tampa Bay Lightning had utilized it in terms of cap management and superstars coming back for the playoffs. And so I think there was some grumbling about it, but ultimately the league, I guess, has decided this is what the system is and they aren't really loopholes. It's just the system is what it is.
1: (laughs) You know, I have mixed feelings about it. Uh, Not going to dispute that that, those were the rules and the rules were followed. But the question to me is, are the rules fair? And Mm -hmm. I, I think that there should be something to limit what a team can put on the ice in the playoffs as far as salary cap is concerned. Uh, You know, did the Tampa Bay lightning and the, and the Vegas golden Knights cheat? No, they followed the rules as the rules existed, but I would like to see the league tweak it a little bit. Look, I understand you want to have the best players on the ice in the playoffs, but it should be fair to all the teams as well. And to stash somebody on long-term injury. And then all of a sudden, you know, Two or three of your best players are miraculously available after being on LTIR all year for the playoffs. Doesn't doesn't smell right. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, I do think that playoff salary cap is an interesting idea and it has some merit to it. But uh, for now, it looks like they're going to stick with what they got.
1: Yeah, it looks that way, and uh, you know, un- until there's more of a demand for change, which I hope will come in the near future.
0: So, one of the other points that Bill Daly talked about was uh, a question he was asked regarding injury reporting, and you know, obviously, right now we still have upper body and lower body injuries, and most of the time you don't know more than that going into it, and with the NHL getting more involved with betting uh, partnerships. Uh, they were asked if they would get more details because a lot of times bookmakers want more information in order to be able to set their lines. And and he said, no, uh, if our betting partners have to take a backseat to health and safety of our players, so be it.
1: Interesting uh, way of phrasing it, very uh, much the company line. I, I mean, I I understand on the one hand why they want to be vague about injuries, but it's not just, you know, it's not just Vegas uh or, or bookmakers who wanna have that information. Fans wanna have that information too. And and certainly fans who are betting also wanna have that information. But uh just just as a as a fan and as a member of the media, I wanna have you know as much information as possible about how long a player is gonna be out, how what the injury is, how severe it is. But I, I think the NHL like you said, they're going to continue to go along this path. And I remember one time there was an injury report. It's just said body injury and I was like, body injury, like uh, that, that blew my mind as being the most vague report I had ever gotten. So.
0: Well, uh, speaking of betting, we are going to talk about our friends at Bet Online. And then after that, talk more about the World Cup of Hockey, the Shea Weber deal, John Tortorella, all of that. So much more coming up next.
1: Well, this episode is brought to you by your friends at Bet Online. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup. Stanley Cup Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts.
0: Before we get into the World Cup of Hockey, we have an important favor to ask of you. Locked On has put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On shows even better. This is your chance to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com survey right now to get started. It won't take very long. And if you complete a survey, you can qualify for a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take that survey, once again, go to LockedOnPodcast.com survey. And uh, thanks for your help. All right, one of the other topics that was talked about by Gary Bettman and Bill Daly was the 2024 World Cup of Hockey. Uh, according to them, it's still in discussions, but they're talking with the PA and the IIHF about it. Uh, the thing that I think is most interesting is that they're really wedded to having it in February midseason as opposed to preseason, which is what they did the first time around
1: yeah and I, I think you know that's a mixed blessing. I don't like the complete disruption of the season in midseason. then you compress the schedule, that can increase injuries. The good news is that it'll give the rest of the players who are not participating a little bit of a break, but it, it's having it midseason to me is is a mixed blessing. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think you know you do have some risk out there with injuries and and the like, and so I can see some hesitation from the PA. I can see some hesitation from teams, but I do think it's a fun tournament oh, and absolutely. it is a nice break. I think in the middle of the season, um, I went to several of the games the first time around they did it uh, in Toronto, and it was some of the most fun hockey I've seen. Uh, which says a lot um although I'm very sad that they said they wouldn't do something like team North America again
1: yeah because
0: that was like the most fun team I think ever created <laughs> but um yeah I, I think it is. Something to look forward to, and hopefully, they get a deal done there. And, uh, you know, speaking of deals, that was a great transition. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for that one. (laughs) The Montreal Canadiens trade the contract of Shea Weber to the Vegas Golden Knights for Evgeny Dadanov. Of course, we all know what happened with Evgeny Dadanov at the trade deadline where Vegas had attempted to trade him to the Ducks, but uh-uh, there was a no-move clause in his contract <laughs> uh, with with uh, some 10 teams on it that included Anaheim. But apparently when Dadanoff moved from Ottawa, where the contract was signed to Vegas, that the information about the no-move list did not transfer along with the contract in the paperwork. And so the deal was negated. So Vegas has finally gotten uh, Dadanoff out of their books. And uh, it's, it's an interesting thing because I, I think that, you know, it allows the Habs to not have to pay the remainder of Shea Weber's contract. Cause he's never right. going to play again. Um, they, they get Dadnov out, which is something that they wanted to do, but the Habs have now sort of helped Vegas with their cap problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure a lot of fans don't appreciate, but uh, I mean, you had to feel for, for Dadnov because here, here, you know, you know the team that you're playing for wants to trade you, and then the trade gets voided. So for him, that's a, a restart, and certainly I think he can help the uh, Canadians next season. And look, Vegas gets a little, you know, they, they end up giving a little cap relief. So it, it works overall, and Shea Weber will be stashed on the LTIR, of course.
0: Yep. That is generally how it goes. It'll be interesting to see what the Habs do with Dadinoff. Um, He had 43 points in 78 games this past season. So um, whether they use him or they use him as a piece in another deal remains to be seen. But uh, again, should be very interesting to see how that Goes Uh, The other, I think, big news around the NHL, the Philadelphia Flyers have officially, officially hired John Tortorella as the new head coach in a four year deal. He's getting paid four million per year. And, you know, as the resident Flyers person in the locked on NHL family, I definitely have some thoughts on it. I think that if you look at the Flyers and take what Chuck Fletcher says at face value, that he's doing an aggressive retool, he wants to make this team better in the short term. I don't know that there's expectations of making a cup run, but better and potentially making the playoffs. I think John Tortorella is a good hire. may not be the best hire, but it's a solid hire. Um, you know, he's a good coach. You put the personality stuff and the temper tantrums aside. He does get results. He he has a winning record overall. His teams tend to make the playoffs, which is what the Flyers want to do. He's a guy that gets the whole to be greater than the sum of its parts on a very regular basis. And Lord knows the Flyers parts are a little lacking <laughs> right now. And so I, I do think That if you take Chuck Fletcher at his word, like I said, and this is your goal for this season, John Tortorella is actually a really good hire for this team. Now, if you are of the opinion that the Flyers needed to do a full rebuild, tear it all down, or you believe that Chuck Fletcher is not the right guy to be managing this team, and, and Chuck Fletcher is a very traditional hockey man, he is not going to think outside the box he's not a very creative thinker in terms of his management style that is a valid opinion to have right if you, i i tend to actually agree that they should have done more of a complete rebuild uh this starting this off season i just think everything is a mess and i'm not sure chuck fletcher is the right guy to lead this team but um so in that case i don't think john Tortorella is the right coaching hire. I think you need to get somebody with a little bit more creativity who you can give more time to build up a team from scratch. Maybe you get a younger guy, you get an assistant who wants to get their first NHL head coaching job that you kind of start from scratch with everybody with a lot of the young prospects that are quality that the Flyers have and you kind of build something together. That is a valid approach to the Flyers. Unfortunately, that's not the approach that's happening. And so if you're right. living in the real world of what is happening with the Flyers, I think John Tortorella is a good hire.
1: You know, it's an interesting move. And you 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 spelled it out well as far as the short term versus the long term. Tortorella is a, a respected coach. He wins, as you said. Uh, to me, the issue with Torts is sort of he has a shelf life. Because of the temper, because of the way he handles his players, he seems to get the most out of them for two or three years, and then they kind of start to tune him out after a while. And he I, I think the torts will get you from where the Flyers are to you know, the sixth, seventh, or eighth seed in a playoff kind of a situation. But will he get the team to true Stanley Cup contending? it doesn't seem to me like if you really want to do that long-term rebuild and really try to create a contender, you need to show a little more patience. And I don't know necessarily that John Tortorella is the best choice for that kind of a strategy.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing is it just depends on what strategy you think is best for this team. And what strategy we think is best for this team is probably not what they're doing. And so that's why I'm just trying to live in the real world of what is happening with the Flyers right now and love it or hate it. This is where we're at. And I do think that, that John Tortorella can do what uh, you said there and, and what I've said in terms of turning things around a little bit more quickly with the players that they have, he can get a lot out of these guys And the other thing I I feel like I should mention is the presence of Cam Atkinson, because having somebody who is a leader on the Columbus Blue Jackets when he was there, who is a huge supporter of John Tortorella, I think will be tremendously helpful for the Flyers because he can help guide the rest of the guys in, in figuring out how to manage practices with him, You know how to deal with Torts' system, how to deal with you know his choices of lineup and, and everything. And especially with Claude Giroux gone, Cam Atkinson was already going to take a step up in terms of leadership in the locker room. And I think having him as kind of a go-between with Tortorella, especially in the early days, is going to be extremely helpful.
1: Yeah, I think that'll be a very big help to the Flyers and and also sort of acting as maybe a little bit of a of a buffer. Hey, I've seen Torts do this before. Uh, this is how you should handle it. And I think that'll be a big help. As far as you're concerned, when you think of the style of coaching that John Tortorella likes, is there a player or a couple of players on this current Flyers roster who you think will benefit most from that style?
0: Yeah, it's a a real interesting question because I do think that there are some guys, especially I think sort of the the mid-range kind of players, I think that it's very possible that Scott Lawton could take a step up a little bit. I do think that some of the younger defensemen are going to benefit because Uh, John Tortorella has a defensively minded system that he puts out there. Um, You know, people talk a lot about him forcing people to block shots all the time. And I don't know that he does that as much as he used to. But uh, it could be (laughs) that he goes back to that with a team like the Flyers. But I do think that that's where maybe and and I'm not saying it's he's going to be a superstar, but I'm saying Rasmus Ristolainen, I think, could benefit tremendously by tweaking his game just a little bit because I think the effort is there it's just sometimes the skill that's wrong and, and the defensive positioning that's wrong yeah. with Risto and I really think that John Tortorella could help out in that front and again not going to make Risto a superstar by any stretch of the imagination he has his problems we all know what they are but I do think that maybe he could put some a little bit of tweaks in, in his game and make him sort of less of a liability let's say.
1: And how about Carter Hart? I think he would probably benefit as well.
0: Um, Yes and no. I don't think Tortorella is like huge into like getting into the weeds with goaltenders. I don't think that's his jam per se. But I I do think that he shows confidence in his goaltenders most of the time. And, you know, he does like do the occasional rash uh, goalie pull. But, But that's really more about honestly like it is in most scenarios in terms of motivating the forwards or the defensemen if they're not doing things right he'll he'll yank the goaltender um and make a big stink about it but um i I think that carter hart's doing his own thing in a lot of ways and i doubt they're gonna get in the way of the goalie coaching and, and all of that so i'm i'm not worried fair enough all right, uh, we're going to take a quick break, but there's some news out of Nashville as well we've got to talk about on today's show. So we have some uh, not confirmed, but good information out of sportico.com. That the Nashville Predators is likely to be sold to former Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam, who is the brother of the Cleveland Browns owner. So a little cross sport action going on there. Uh, Bill Haslam, former governor of Tennessee, is apparently worth $2.3 billion not bad,
1: <laughs> not bad. And, and they're estimating the sale price of 680 million, which is toward the lower end of NHL clubs. But uh, in 2007, uh, the club was bought for 175 million. So that's a, a nice little profit in, uh, you know, the span of 1415 years.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one thing we've been seeing as a trend in sports franchise sales is people who own other sports teams maybe in different sports. Um so that there's really not necessarily like complete synergy going on there, but people building these sports franchise conglomerates out there as opposed to having, you know, single family owned teams you know, which is something that we saw a lot of in the past. But, you know, for instance, the ownership group that owns uh, the New Jersey Devils also owns the Philadelphia 76ers. And so we see we see a lot of that sort of thing going on. And this seems to be part of that trend.
1: Yeah, even some European soccer teams being owned Mm -hmm. by some owners in the NFL and some other leagues as well. And, you know, I I love the fan base in Nashville, and I I hope this move benefits them because they are very loud and very enthusiastic at those games.
0: Yes, yes, they are. And uh, so we'll see if this affects the team in any way or or if this uh, becomes a final sale. Of course, we will uh, keep track of that and bring you all of the latest news around the NHL. Every single day on this show. And speaking of which, Gil, you are going to be back on Monday. So you'll check in on the NHL. Got anything you think you'll be talking about?
1: Well, certainly Stanley Cup finals, game two, uh, for one thing. And uh, maybe we'll have you on, Rachel, we can talk <laughs> a little bit about John Tortorella. So, uh, oh, we'll,
0: yeah. We'll there'll be a lots more to talk about on that front. And of course the two of us will be back next Friday. We're going to recap the week that was, and uh, we'll be further along in the Stanley cup final. So I'm um, looking forward to that. Uh, once again, you can find me on Twitter at our Miriam Gil is on Twitter at ice wars, N-Y-R, B-S-N-Y-I. And, uh Thanks for listening and have a great weekend, everybody.